Hey, Valley family, welcome to our brand new series uh, that we're calling Playlist, kind of uh, this theme that we've done a series before in the past about, and that's taking some of our favorite songs and, and really finding there's some great biblical truth behind the actual songs that can really be applied to our life. And, and in this month of February, we're going to be looking specifically about songs that, that have to do with love and how that applies to our lives from the scripture in terms of how to love God, how to love others, how to love maybe our spouse if we're married, our family. Uh, and, and so that's what kind of the backdrop of this whole series is about. Uh, before we jump in, I do want to uh, just uh, take a moment and, and talk about some great things that are happening uh, here at Valley Christian Church and through the Valley family. Uh, first of all, many of you have probably noticed, whether it's in, you know, in Poughkeepsie, maybe you heard about it online, uh, maybe you're viewing this right now, and a big shout out to all of you. But our Hopewell campus is just really getting jam-packed. Um, we're at capacity, especially at 11 o'clock. Uh, 9 o'clock, we have a tiny bit of room, but not much at all. And, and here's the great thing. Uh, January and February, historically, for the last 25 years that I've been the senior pastor, the lead pastor, they're not big growth months uh, at all. And so we're working on a strategy. We, we don't want to hinder or make it difficult for anyone to come and, and to hear the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. So next week, uh, I hope you'll, you'll be with us. I'm going to be sharing uh, for our whole Valley family online in Poughkeepsie and in Hopewell a strategy that we've come up with to make room for more people right now. And this is a great challenge to have. I saw a, a study, a blog post uh, that was referencing a study uh, just, just this week, uh, do you realize that uh, in North America, that's the United States and Canada, 94% of churches are not growing? 94%, only 6% of churches are growing at all, and that is like even a 1% growth. 94% of churches are not growing. That's not us at Valley, just very thankful for that. I think there's some key reasons for that. Uh, right now, year to year, January 2019 to January uh, 2018, comparing the two, uh, we are right now at 42% growth, Valley. 42% growth. And, and next week we're going to talk about the strategy for growth. In the context of this series, uh, Playlist, uh, we're going to be looking at a song by Katy Perry. Yeah, you heard that right, Katy Perry. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but just invite you back for that so you'll be in the know about all the good things, the great things that God is doing uh, that, that we want to cooperate with and just touching people with the love of Jesus Christ, his unconditional love. So uh, that's just a little uh, preview of what's coming. I hope you'll make sure uh, that you don't want to miss it. But we're starting now uh, this series, and, and I want to look at the U2 song called Pride, uh, and, and kind of subtitle of that is In the Name of Love. This is their first hit uh, back in 1984, uh, their first top 40 hit in the United States. Anyway, I was in high school, and, and that's when I really like, oh man, I love, they just came with this brand new sound, you know, these licks on the guitar that are so, have become so distinctive, Edge does, uh, that he puts on the guitar, so distinctive to the sound. Uh, of you too, and actually, this song was written as a tribute to Martin Luther King Jr., which I think is also significant as February's Black History Month. So, a lot of things kind of converge in love and black history in this song uh, by you too, Pride in the Name of Love. They wrote it after they had visited an exhibit 
uh, in Chicago that was dedicated to the civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr., in 1983, and, and then wrote this song, and it was released in 1984. And, and uh, through the song, U2 is speaking about uh, history of those who have died because they preached uh, the equality of all human beings. Uh, they practiced nonviolence, uh, and the only way to achieve their goal was really in having uh, love by 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 laying their lives down, quite literally, uh, for what they believed in. And MLK is really the primary example of nonviolent resistance as the only way to bring about real lasting change. It doesn't come through violence. It, it comes through love. And, and uh, there are other allusions in the song to other people, specifically uh, Jesus Christ uh, as well. And so there's a lot of meat really in this song. And so what I want to do is I want to play it for you right now, uh, and then we'll unpack uh, the powerful truth in this song by YouTube Pride in the name of love. Well, this song is really um, a, a tribute about singular people, including Jesus Christ, uh, that live their lives with pride. And that pride really is not in a boastful way, but in the pride of a person that has their thoughts and actions that are motivated uh, by their understanding and full awareness of the dignity of every human being. And the song is a tribute or an illustration that really reminds us uh, of so many that have given their lives uh, as martyrs to this ideal uh, of the, uh, the value of all humanity. It speaks to how they lived their life with an inner pride in all humanity and how that pride really was an expression of God's love for all humanity. And these people did what they did, did all that they could because they were trying to spread the message of God's love for mankind. I remember in, uh, in 1994, I, I read this book and I highly, highly encourage it. It came out in the 80s actually called A Testament of Hope. Uh, it is the essential writings and speeches of Martin Luther King Jr. After reading this book, this is one of the things that God began to move in my heart, speak to me about his desire for our church family to be a multicultural church because I read this. There's so many people that have read a quote or seen a little video clip but have never actually taken the time. What did the man, Martin Luther King Jr., actually say? And I, I really encourage it. It's almost 700 pages. It's going to take you some time. It took me a long time. And I've gone back and, and uh, really marked it all up. The pages are all yellow now. Uh, like I said, it, it, I've had this for a long time. Uh, but really shaped a lot of, of my heart as a pastor to pastor a multicultural church when our church was 100% white at the time. And, and this song hits on, this song by U2 hits on a lot of these themes uh, as well. And so I want to do a quick little exercise right now. Just go ahead and close your eyes. It's just a fun little exercise or experiment. Just go ahead and close your eyes right now. And, and I want to do, uh, just, just as your eyes are closed, just picture Jesus. Just picture Jesus right now in your mind, what you think Jesus looked like. And let me ask you a couple questions with your eyes closed. You know, just kind of zoom in if, it's, if, it's, if he's far away. Just zoom in on his face in your mind. Uh, what color hair does he have? What color eyes? What's the shade or the hue of his skin? What's the shape of his nose? Now, op open your eyes for just a minute. 
When I was a young man, there was a movie that came out called The Gospel Road. Actually, Johnny Cash kind of wrote it and directed it, I think, and, and put it together, sang it and all. Jesus in this movie had blonde hair and blue eyes. What? Crazy. Because here's the thing. Jesus didn't look Aryan. He, he didn't look American at all. Jesus was a Jew and in all likelihood had jet black hair, real dark eyes, and very dark skin. That's who Jesus was. It's so easy that we always kind of like jump off and we make Jesus familiar with who we are all the time. I'll give you another example. This just hit me even this week preparing for this. I've got issues, man. I've, I've always been honest. I, I try to be honest, but I've got issues. I know what those issues are. And I'm, I'm growing a beard, you know, and I'm kind of excited about that. It's growing in. But here's one thing I've just got, and sorry to all my bearded brothers out there if this applies. Uh, you know, just, just hear me. Just love me. Grace, grace, mercy, mercy. You know what drives me nuts is the neck beard. The neck beard. When, when a guy has a beard and it just goes all the way down his neck. I'm talking like Luke Bryan. Come on, brother. You can do better than that. You know, it just, it, if, your, if your beard runs into your chest hair, there's a problem there, in my opinion. And so if, you, if you're wearing a neck beard right now, I just want you to know, if you come up and talk to me, I'm not going to look you in the eyes. I, I, it's like I get obsessed. I'll be looking at your throat the whole time. And like, why won't he shave that? Why won't he do that? Now, here's the thing that occurred to me. Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, likely had a neck beard. See, so many times we, we push our personal preferences and, and that's how we view God. That's how we view Jesus. The reality is Jesus never in his life spoke a word of English. In fact, if you were alive back then, you and I, we wouldn't even understand what he was saying without a translator. But there was no English language, so no help whatsoever. That there's so much that we bring, could I put it this way, our cultural bias and we push it on Jesus. And that's not who he is. That's not who he is at all. Jesus came to lay his life down for you and for me. In fact, this is what he says. Look at it. It's in your Valley app right now, and I hope you'll, you'll, you'll follow along with me in your Valley app. We're going to look at some significant portions of Scripture today on this issue uh, of uh, racial relationships. In John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus put it this way, greater love has no one than this to lay one's life down for one's friends. We hear this, don't we, sometimes at, uh, at funerals uh, uh, where it's, uh, uh, you know, maybe someone in the military or, or law enforcement uh, that, that has uh, died, been killed. Uh, this verse quoted, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. And Jesus said these words to his disciples. They say, this is how I'm going to love you. This is how much I'm going to love you. And they were messed up, and we are too. And yet Jesus loved, and he laid his life down for you and for me. He laid his life down for people who didn't look like him. He laid his life down for people who had different culture. He laid his life down for people that were a different race and ethnicity as well. So let's look, let's be courageous now. Let's take a look at some of the, the real important points the Bible makes about race and ethnicity, especially in our culture, in our country today, where it's such a charged issue. Here's the first thing. God made all ethnicities from one human ancestor. From one human ancestor. The Bible makes it clear. God made all ethnicities, all races. 
In Acts chapter 17, verse 26, the Bible says, from one man he created, this is God, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. Now, here's an interesting thing. This word nations, in the original language, this is a, actually a sermon uh, that, that the Apostle Paul is preaching that we have recorded in Acts chapter 17 as he's kind of given the whole big picture, 30,000 foot view of God's story, uh, his story through history, uh, not to be redundant, but it is his story. That's what history is. And, and uh, Paul is giving uh, this sermon and he says, from one man he created all the nations. That word in, in the original language in the New Testament that was written in Greek, that word, Nations is the word ethnos. It's not countries. It's races, literally. Where we get our word ethnicity from. From one man, he created all ethnos, ethnos, ethnicities. God made all ethnicities from one human ancestor. His name was Adam. And God didn't start over. Even when he made Eve, what did he do? He didn't start over. He didn't create, you know, uh, black people, white people, uh, Asian people, Latino people. No, he did one person. And, and when he even created Eve out of Adam, he didn't go back to the dust. He took her out of him. All from one. Adam. From one man, he created all the ethnicities. Really important that we understand we all go back to one. One. Here's the second point. All ethnic groups are made in the image of God. It's like deja vu all over again, isn't it? As we talked about life and valuing life just a couple of weeks ago. Let's go back to Genesis again because everything begins in Genesis in the beginning. Again, look at what the scripture says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He already created the fish. He already created the birds. He already created the animals. He already created everything else. And then he said, let us make man in our image. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So being a person made in the image of God uh, com compared to the ethnic distinctives uh, that we really have, uh, I could, could I put it this way? Uh, we're created in the image of God and we have different ethnicities. That's like comparing the sun to a candle in terms of what's the most important. It's like comparing the sun, we're in the image of God, that's the brightness of the sun, we have different ethnicities. That's like a candle compared to the sun. Doesn't mean we don't recognize them. We recognize differences. But those differences should be celebrated. But the fact that every one of us is created in the image of God, could I put it this way? It's bigger than our different ethnicities, than our culture. And so, let, let me put it this way. Uh, in, in, in that sense, uh, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have special guests with us this week, uh, this weekend uh, from Moldova, our friends Yuri and Oksana uh, Semenyuk, uh, and, and uh, they really would speak Russian. Even though we don't speak the same language, they speak a little bit of English, they speak some English. Uh, I speak zero Russian. We have more in common because of Jesus Christ, Yuri and I do, separated by language, separated by culture, we have more in common through Jesus Christ than even 
I do with someone who lives in my neighborhood who's a United States citizen but is not a follower of Jesus Christ. See, it's, it's the humanity. We're made in the image of God. And that's not to say to mistreat a neighbor, but Jesus Christ supersedes. The gospel supersedes all culture. The gospel supersedes all culture. It, 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 it's greater than any culture. And so many times as Americans, I'm afraid that we tie the gospel of Jesus Christ to our American culture, which, by the way, wasn't even around 2,000 years ago. And we view everything through our American culture instead of through a biblical framework that everyone is created in the image of God. Even the people that we don't like, even, even a certain ethnicity that looks different than us, they're all created in the image of God. And so that leads me to the third point, uh, and that says God's purpose and commandment is to make disciples for Christ from every ethnic group in the world without any distinction. That's our job. That's, that's my number one job. That's your number one job, to make followers of Jesus Christ from every ethnicity, every single race without any distinction. In other words, to prefer people that look like me over someone who doesn't and only share the gospel with them, that is actually prejudice. To prefer only to hang out with people in my culture that, that look the way I do, that have my same opinions, that actually is sin. And that grieves the heart of God. Because God's purpose and command is to make disciples for Christ from every ethnic group in the world without showing any distinction and without showing favoritism to people that look the way that I do, talk the way that I do, have a similar culture that I have. Look at what the Bible says, Matthew chapter 28. Jesus, this is the, the great commission is often referred to, but look at what he says, Matthew 28. After his uh, sacrificial death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, he taught his disciples for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he ascended to our Heavenly Father. Before he did that, he gave this, the marching orders of Jesus Christ. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. This word nations, again, ethnos, all ethnicity, all races, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and goes on and says, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Just, just a little uh, rabbit trail real quick here. Because of this, these words of Jesus is the reason why I really don't like flying on airplanes. Because Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. You know, I, I prefer cars, I prefer trains, buses, but, but Jesus said, lo, I'm with you always. I think there's a certain height, you know, in the air where it's kind of like, mm, I don't know, lo, I'm with you always. It's just a joke. Come on, you can laugh, it's church, it's all right, it's not, not a sin. So let's go back to that previous slide for just a minute if we could. Uh, again, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all ethnicities. That's what the commandment is. And so, again, this word is ethnos, and, and the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Making disciples of all nations, this is every single ethnic group. And this word is the exact same word as Paul used that we already looked at in Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, where he said that God used one man to make all the nations. From, from one man, all the nations. 
Now here's the interesting thing. This was radical when Jesus said this because up until this time, the disciples thought that, 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 this, uh, that Jesus was the Messiah for the Jewish people only. And, and, and it would have stayed as just a Jewish a sect of Judaism. But Jesus said, no. Go and make followers, disciples from every ethnicity. It's not just a Jewish thing. And this was one of the big issues throughout the New Testament. You read the book of Acts uh, until we get to Acts 15 where they had to have the first church council to decide what are we going to do with these non-Jews. Non-Jew in the Bible is called a Gentile. Someone who is literally not Jewish. Everyone else is a Gentile. If you're not Jewish right now, you'd be considered a Gentile from the the 2,000 years ago perspective. What, what do the Gentiles have to obey of the Old Testament law? What, what are the, what's required of them? And, and so this was radical when Jesus said this because he's talking to his disciples, 11 of them, uh, because Judas had already, you know, done his deed. He's talking to 11 of them, and they're all Jewish, and they think this is all going to be for Jewish people. And Jesus is like, no, I want you to go to every race every ethnicity, don't show any partiality, and you share with them the good news of the gospel. Don't keep it to yourself, don't stay to yourself, don't keep to your own kind, because that's sin before God. I came to die for everyone. No race is superior, no one is better than someone else, no ethnicity is preferred by God over another ethnicity. You go and make disciples of all ethnos. It's so incredibly important that we realize what Jesus is saying here. Being in God's image doesn't mean that we're saved. We're all still distorted by sin. The unique ways that we were created to reflect the glory and the worth of God have been ruined because of sin, but we still, every human being, carries some sort of that image of God still. So God sent his son Jesus as a remedy into the world to to live a sinless life and to die a sacrificial death, that when we believe on him, we're forgiven and we're cleansed and we're restored and we become trophies, if you will, of God's grace. Trophies of God's grace. Now, here's the thing that's so important. I use that word remedy very deliberately. Jesus is the remedy of sin, for sin. Because of his sinless life and his sacrificial death, he laid his life down for you And for me, no matter what our race, no matter what our culture, no matter what our ethnicity, the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done through his sinless life of obedience, his sacrificial death, his substitute for you and for me on the cross, he paid the price for my personal sins and your personal sins, regardless of your culture, regardless of your ethnicity, race. And he rose again three days later. The power of the gospel. That's why we're forgiven. Not because I'll ever be good enough to earn God's forgiveness. Not because you'll ever be good enough. Because Jesus was perfect and he took your place. And he took my place. And and through his sinless life, sacrificial death, and resurrection from the dead, we have the remedy. Now here's the thing. The remedy for sin. It's just like any other remedy. (laughs) He's not going to force the remedy on you. God is not going to force the remedy, just like a doctor doesn't force medication on someone. You've got to sign a waiver. I accept this. 
I, I accept this medication. That's what free choice is. God created you with free choice and free will and me with free choice and free will. And he says, I've provided the remedy. Will you receive the remedy? Will you receive the remedy? And when we receive the remedy, we become children of God. We're forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we receive forgiveness, not because we earn it or deserve it. It's a free gift, but it's just like any other gift. You gotta open it up. You have to receive that gift of Jesus Christ. And so... The gospel trumps, the gospel supersedes all culture. God is greater, the, the, the gospel is greater than American culture, Russian culture, Jewish culture, African culture, Asian culture, whatever it is, the gospel's greater. And, and that's, how, that, that's how I can go uh, to, to across the world into another culture with a translator they can speak my language and the language that I'm trying to communicate in. And when I share the gospel, it can transform people's lives, even through a language barrier. When I share my culture, it makes no change in people's lives. But it's the gospel. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it's the power of God to salvation. There's no other name in heaven on earth through which men must be saved. So all believers in Jesus Christ, of every single ethnic group, from all nations, for every ethnic group, are united to each other, not only in a common humanity and the image of God, but even more so as brothers and sisters in Christ, members of the same body of Christ. That's why the gospel supersedes all culture. So, so many of us are cultural Christians. Our culture comes before our faith in Christ, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. Look, look at what Romans chapter 12, verses four and five says, uh, as, as Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is given this great, he's, he's, he's painting this picture of what the body of Christ is really like. And it says in Romans 12, four through five, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. In other words, the body of Christ, there's not a, uh, the, the, the black body of Christ, the white body of Christ, uh, the Asian body of Christ, uh, the Latino body of Christ. It's one body. And, and so when we look at the body of Christ, it may be the hand is black, but, but the arm is Asian and, and the shoulder is Latino. And maybe the, the, the collarbone and the chest area is white. It's all, we're all the body of Christ as believers in Jesus Christ. And so many times we actually live and relate to each other at a lower level than Jesus ever intended because we put our culture or our ethnicity above the body of Christ. And Jesus came to change that. And, and when you even read, uh, again, what Martin Luther King Jr. actually said, that's what he was talking about. Equality among the uh, different ethnicities. That the, the same ground, same footing. And it was birthed from his convictions about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I love this song. In the name of love. What more in the name of love? Love is the most, the powerful, uh, transforming agent in the world. 
ultimately the love of God as individually. That's what this, I love this song, one man comes. You know, so many times people say, well, I can't make a difference. Yeah, you can. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., one man. One man. It's got to start somewhere. The body of Christ is made up of all these different ethnicities. And it's interesting, again, in, in 1 Corinthians, back to the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is actually describing this body and the way we're supposed to relate to each other. And remember, it's, a, it's multiple ethnicities make up the body of Christ, multiple races. And look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 15. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, I, I don't, my ethnicity is not the same as yours, so, so I must not be part of it. I must be less than. That does not make it any less a part of the body. It's a completely wrong perspective that, that one part of the body feels inferior to the other. Every part's needed. And then it goes on and it says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We can never say or even in our mind think anyone who doesn't have the same race or ethnicity to us is superior to us or that they're inferior to us. That's sin, clear and simple. When we show preferential treatment to someone who looks like us because they're their same ethnicity. It violates just so much scripture. I'm just touching on the, just scratching the surface of it. The other image of uh, besides the body of Christ, is one of a family. And look at what 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that's those who have received Christ, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. That's why I love the Valley family. Our, our church is uh, almost 50% of our church is, could I put it this way, non-white, that's what I am, I'm, I'm, why I'm, I'm so white I'm like clear. Almost 50% of our church is non-white in, in a community, Hopewell Junction, that's over 94% white. In, in a county that, that is, is, I think is like over 80% white. That's just mind-blowing, but you know what? Every time we gather together here and in Poughkeepsie as well, this is a taste of heaven. If you don't like ethnic diversity, you are going to hate heaven. Because this is a forte. We're in a family of God. All the different ethnicities. The family of God. Every nation, tongue, and tribe will be gathered who had faith in Christ. That's what the scripture says in Revelation. In other words, if our identity as human beings created in the image of God is greater than all, it is greater than all the ethnic distinctives, then our identity, let me put it this way, as born again children of God is even greater than all ethnic differences. Let me put it this way. The glory of our family likeness in Christ is much greater than the ethnic differences as the ocean is greater than a thimble full of water. The glory of our family likeness, in other words, because of our common faith in Jesus Christ, it is supersedes 
so much greater than our ethnic differences. Just as much as comparing like the ocean to a thimble full of water. And so let me boil it down this way. We are more united by our humanity than separated by our ethnicity. That's the teachings of Scripture. That you and I, as followers of Christ, we should be more united by our humanity than separated by our ethnicity. And there's so much division to it, it just wants to separate, find anything possible to separate from. Because any difference, if you don't agree with everything that I say and everything that I believe, then we can't, you know, we can't hang out. And, and nothing could be further from the teachings of Scripture. But there's even a greater truth than this because of Jesus Christ. On top of the common human personhood and the image of God, we have a common redeemed personhood or identity in the image of Christ. And how much less are we to be divided by ethnic differences? Look at what the Bible says in Colossians chapter three, verse 11. In this new life, when we turn from our sins and we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, in this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. Remember, Jew, Jewish race, Gentile, everybody else. The Bible says here in Colossians 3.11, in this new life, because you're born again, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. The Holy Spirit brings more unity across different ethnicities than anything else will ever bring. And so this is why in a divided society and culture, it's only the church that can model unity. Listen, the government is never gonna get this right. No government is ever gonna be able to bring and really truly unify people of different ethnicities. Only the gospel can do that through the power of Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit. Only the gospel can do that. And so here's what it all boils down to. We are more united by Christ than by our humanity. You and I should be united by our humanity. That's the teachings of Scripture. But even more than that, superseding the fact that you and I are created in the image of God, every human being, from the womb to the tomb, all life is valuable and precious, from the womb to the tomb, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, we are more united by Christ than we are by our humanity. Jesus supersedes all race, all ethnicity, and all culture. And when we divide, or when we choose our personal preferences, I ain't gonna hang out with someone that has a neck beard, we're sinning. We grieve the heart of God and we live below God's best for you and for me. We live below it. You know, we started off by, uh, after we listened to that song, Pride in the Name of Love, one more in the name of love. We started off by looking at the words of Jesus that we hear so many times, maybe at a funeral or so, but what we don't oftentimes realize is in the same breath what Jesus said right after those words that are familiar to us in John 15. 
Let's look at what Jesus said the next breath. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Next breath. You are my friends if you do what I command. He he defined and qualified who his friends are. My friends, Jesus said, are the ones that follow my instructions, that live my teachings and commandments. When he said, go and make disciples of every ethnicity, no preferential treatment allowed, no favoritism. Jesus died for every ethnicity. That supersedes all culture. It amplifies what's good in culture, what's godly in culture, but that's why the gospel can go into any culture. It supersedes it. It's more powerful. It's greater than our ethnicity. It's greater than our culture. Jesus made it clear. Greater love is no one than this to lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. So, so let me just conclude by making a couple of statements. Against a spirit of uh, indifference on this topic, we're not supposed to be indifferent. We're not, we're not supposed to alienate other folks. There's so much hostility in our land. Instead, we must choose the supremacy of God's love and take new steps personally. One man, one woman, takes steps personally and corporately towards reconciling with the different races and ethnicities expressed visibly in our community and also in our church. So, so let's, let us just do away with every unloving thought in our minds that would think less of someone else because their culture or their ethnicity is not like us or would be suspicious of someone else because their culture or ethnicity is not the same as ours. Let us put every word or tone of ridicule, every backhanded joke, let's put it away, never to be said again. Let us go out of our way to show personally the love of Jesus Christ to everyone of every ethnic background. Let us be the salt and the light in our hostile culture and our fearful society and be courageous with acts of interracial kindness and respect. Let us show the love of Jesus Christ for everyone and to everyone, no matter what they look like, no matter what their culture is. And let's develop relationships and friendships with others that don't look like we do in order to get a better glimpse of the total body of Jesus Christ made up of the diversity of all ethnicities in the name of love. What more in the name of love can you do can I do to live the commandments 
of Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the truth behind this song, Pride in the Name of Love. Lord, we thank you for one man, Martin Luther King Jr., that this song is really a tribute to, that decided he needed to do something more to show the love of Jesus Christ in a nonviolent way that brought amazing change that's still not over. The ripple effects of that one life continue today. And even greater than Martin Luther King Jr.'s life, the perfect sinless life of Jesus Christ, his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead, that God, you cared so much that God died, you died for those that would receive him, the remedy for sin. God, we thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice of your son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we live out his teachings, his commandments, his instructions, Lord, and demonstrate his love, Lord, to each and every person, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their culture, with no preferential treatment and no favoritism. In Jesus' name. Right now, if you're here and you've never taken the opportunity to take that first step of faith and putting your faith in Jesus Christ, he died for you. He sacrificed his life for you. Doesn't matter how bad you've blown it, doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus paid the price. The Bible says that if we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So right now with, with our eyes closed and every head bowed, I wanna just lead you in a prayer. And I invite you to open your heart up and, and maybe for the first time receive Jesus Christ as your savior. He may not look like you, he may not be the same ethnicity that you are, but he loved you perfectly and paid the price for your sins. And it's through his sacrifice that we're saved. So if you've never prayed and received him, the remedy for sin, I just invite you to repeat these words after me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today and I receive Jesus' sacrifice. Jesus, I ask you to lead me, guide me, direct me from this day by your Holy Spirit and I will follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.